and get present together and see what the Lord does this morning. It's so good to be back with you guys. You guys are such a beautiful group of worshipers. I wanted to start with a scripture, and anybody who um, reads the YouVersion Bible app, you'll, you'll see that this is the scripture of the day. But I just think it's so fitting, and it comes from John 7, John seven thirty seven and 38. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, All who are thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that the rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. And that's what Sunday is about, guys. Sunday is about gathering together, pressing into the Lord, and seeing what he wants to say and do as we pour our praises of living water back to him. So I encourage you guys this morning to take a step. Take a step in your worship, whatever that looks like for you. If that looks like maybe even lifting your hand for a second, if that looks like singing out your own song, if that looks like taking a step out of your seat and moving around with the Lord, I encourage you today to just press into the living water that is found within you and meet with God this morning. Why don't we stand and sing together this morning?
your goodness overflowing Your goodness is running now. 
There are people in here, I know there are people dealing with cancer. I know there are people, Donna, dealing with physical conditions. Uh, there are a number that are, of course, Pastor Steve. And death cannot contain the name of Jesus. Right? Hallelujah. Sickness cannot contain that name. There is no rival to the name of Jesus, right? So whatever you're going through today, whatever you're hassling with, whatever's encroaching upon your life physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially, whatever it might be, understand that the name of Jesus inside you has no rival. There is no one greater, there is no one more powerful, and at that name, every other name shall bow. And as we've said before, it doesn't matter whether it's a name in the past, the present, or the future, because every name that is yet to come is already bowing. So whatever it is this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that there is no equal to the name of Jesus. We declare there is no rival to the name of Jesus. Age has nothing to do with it. Time, space, money, economies have nothing to do with it. There is no rival. And may we see your name ascend to its rightful place right now in the name of Jesus. We receive it. Just worship him right now. Worship him right now. Oh, The veil told me for you, and you silence the best of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your Oh, 
raise our hands. Just worship him one more time. Hallelujah, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Just our voices. Let's just raise them to Him. you do one more time one last time it's so beautiful that's all he wants to hear from us Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise. Hallelujah. We have uh, a lot of guests with us this morning, but I have to mention my cousin Janice from California. And one of the reasons I mention her is, is just because she's been dealing with cancers and different physical things, still fighting, and her husband is still battling with some illness right now. And just lay your hand on and and. We're going we're gonna to pray for continual healing for Steve by you laying your hands on Janice. How's that? We're going we're gonna to get them both. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Visiting all the way from the West Coast, we just thank you for healing right now for her in Jesus' name. She, she was almost gone at one point, but she's still here. Her husband is still battling, so we thank you for healing touch. In Jesus' name, be healed, body, soul, and spirit. And for everyone else that's dealing with anything right now, we thank you for your healing touch, whether it's just aches and pains, all the way to whatever big thing it might be. We thank you for your healing touch because worthy is your name. We don't, we don't ask for these things because we just want to feel good. We ask for these things because we want to bring more glory to your name. We want to bring more worthiness to your name. So we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, we receive it. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. How many know God is good? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. And thank you again, Kelly. Uh, I don't know about you, but I really enjoy Kelly. I enjoy Steve. Don't tell him we don't enjoy Steve. We enjoy Steve. And he'll, he'll be back, but uh, I uh, enjoy her as well. And, and you are going to have another blessing here uh, in a few moments. I don't know. My mother is coming out. So we're going to give the piano a real workout today. 
uh, and she will share what she's going to do. Ushers, you may come if you're ready. I don't even know what part of the service we're in, so we'll see what happens. But uh, um, I will say, um, when Kelly found out that there's an actual piano here, because a lot of churches don't have pianos anymore. It's all electronic. And she said, I might like to try that piano the last time she was here. So now she's hooked. Uh, So if you play piano and you go back to the real, ain't nothing like the real thing, right, is the way the song goes. (laughs) So hallelujah. Let's prepare our hearts. Father, we thank you so much that we can continue worshiping you through the giving of tithes and offerings. And Lord, this is an act of worship. And, and we're so glad that you, that you do strengthen us, you heal us, you bless us, so that we can continue to work, we can continue to labor, we can continue to bless your kingdom. That's what it's all about. So we ask you to bless both gift and giver in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So my mother said that she wanted to give a birthday gift to everyone here. Uh, her favorite song, To God Be the Glory, my tribute from Andre Crouch. And I believe the words, uh, Tommy, you can go ahead and put those words up there. And she's going to share a bit um, about this song. Most of you know it. But did you want to say something? You're just going to play. You're going to let your fingers do the talking. The words say it. I told told somebody before church, if I can do anything at 90, let alone play the piano, stand up, (laughs) it will be to God be the glory. Believe me. Believe me. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. <laughs> See there, Mom? It took you 90 years to get a standing ovation. <laughs> and uh, once a week, she plays for two or three chapel services at Shepherd of the Valley. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, amen. Thank you. Thank you for that. And of course, you are all invited uh, after church to go over and share a bit of food uh, that's been prepared for us and some time of fellowship and greet her and wish her a happy birthday. And uh, we did do a lot of things. We actually had two birthday parties for her. We had one at our home earlier just for the boys and children. And uh, then we have this. And so I told her, I said, Mom, that's it till 100, okay? This is too much. <laughs> and she said, that's probably okay because at 100, I won't even know who's where, where I am. So that's fine. That'll be great. So praise the Lord. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians. We are in the book of Philippians, working our way through for the past uh, number of months. We are in the second chapter, and we are down to verse 15. We talked about verses 14 and 15 last week, but I wanted to share one more, couple of more comments about it. And uh, this, uh, this, by the way, this is, you know, when you go expositorily through a book, you really can't necessarily plan when you're going to be because you don't really know what you're going to say. And uh, it just so happened that in verse 15 and verse 16, we talked about, uh, let's just read, uh, well, let's just read verses 14 and on. Do all things without complaining and disputing. We talked about that last week. That you may become blameless and harmless, that is, blameless before the Lord, harmless in the world. Uh, and without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, we're going to talk about more of that today, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, or other translations, holding forth the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Um, it's a, a weird sort of coming together here uh, today that I did not plan for. As many of you know, uh, and if you don't know, this is, is uh, Catherine Coleman's pulpit. This is what she used to preach from for many years. And then my father used it uh, until he retired. And I just felt that I, when I first came here, I wanted it to be up here uh, in honor of that, that history. And every time I look at it, I just think about all of the history that surrounds it. I remember some of you that are visiting. I remember, remember Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie, I remember him carrying the pulpit out. <laughs> And setting it, setting it up, and everything, uh, amazing. And of course, this is my mother's 90th birthday today. And this is the other weird part that I could not possibly plan. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, was my father's theme and motto for his ministry, Emmanuel Ministries. So for years, it was Emmanuel Ministries, holding forth the word of life. So all of those things sort of come together this morning, and I believe we're talking about heritage. We're talking about the past, but yet the future. And then in verse 15, there is a definite connection between evangelism and reaching the lost with holding forth the word of life. There's a connection there. Paul says we are in a crooked and perverse generation, and we are in this darkness, and we are holding forth the word of life. And how important it is for us to understand that. So if we look back and take the whole context of what we've been sharing, we'll remember that we are to carry out our salvation to its full perfection. We are not stopping halfway, right? 
We're walking in reverential fear of our loving Father. We're sensitive to his voice. We're walking humbly with him. We're working out our husband's salvation with fear and trembling, right? We're, work, we're working out our own salvation. We're not working out our children. We're not working out our neighbor. We're not working out our friends and our spouses. We're, we're with fear and trembling. We're working out our own salvation. And I, I love that verse, and you probably know it by heart as well, from Micah. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before the Lord. I've told you before, I like simple things. And how, how much simpler can it get than that? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. Simple, but easy? No. But simple. So we saw that as we work out our salvation, Paul says you're going to be blameless before God, and you're going to be harmless to the world. And of course, there are many times we're going to be so harmless to the world that they're going to crucify us. Uh, that's just the way it works. So we're going to see three points here today from these couple of verses. We're going to see to whom we are holding the word of life. We're going to see when we are holding the word of life and what we are holding forth in the word of life. So the who, when, and what of this thing. So let's start with the first one, and it's in verse 15. He says, to whom are we holding forth the word of life? A crooked and perverse generation. Uh, I love, and I've told you before, and again, for those of you who don't know, uh, somebody reminded me to make sure they always say this, the New Testament was written in Greek, so when we try to get the real firm original meaning of words, we go back to the Greek language, and I've told you that I will only tell you the Greek word when you know the word. So this first word, crooked, in the Greek is scolios, from which we get scoliosis. So the word crooked literally means twisted or curved in the wrong direction. Can you, can you possibly describe the current world better than that? <laughs> Curved and twisted in the wrong direction. Babies in the womb, how they feel about that. What? Wrong direction, right? <laughs> Morality, wrong direction. Economics, wrong direction. Global warming, I am so tired of global warming. Oh my Lord. It, it's not even real. It's unbelievable. But wrong direction. We just keep pushing in the wrong direction until we shut down all of our oil supplies and make us all suffer, right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Wrong direction. Wrong direction. So, so it's first crooked. They're heading in the wrong direction. The second thing is it's perverse, and this is sort of a deeper meaning of the same thing. It's not necessarily a, a moral issue. It's distorted. It is crooked, twisted, heading in the wrong direction, and distorted. Boy, need I go any further than that? I mean, if you want to see the world situation right now, that's about it. Now, let me, let me delve into this a little bit deeper, and we're going to go into some history and do some other things as well, because I think it, 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 uh, it bears the situation. But regardless, regardless of your view of prophecy and the end times, whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, a-trib, amillennial, pre-millennial, post-millennial, whatever, like... Any number of all of those things, right? It doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Here's what matters. Luke, the 19th chapter. Jesus said, occupy until I come. You say, well, what's that word occupy mean? It's very interesting. Again, again, Greek word, and here it is. Occupy literally is pragmateomai, pragmatic. The word there means business. 
It really means business. So Jesus is saying, until I come back, keep doing business in your life. Keep busy. Don't be busy bodies. (laughs) Be busy in your life. Keep working. It's not necessarily an offensive military command like occupy that beach like the Marines would do. It is staying busy in, in this twisted, bizarre, curved, distorted, corrupt world. You and I are called to still be in business with the world. Mm, I know that's not nice <laughs> because you see in this world, we are the straight line. Are we not? We are the straight line. We are the right path. We are the correct narrow road. We are the highway of righteousness. We have the answer. What we believe is correct. What they believe is wrong. It's as simple as that. If you ever wanted to be right in your life, isn't it great? You're right. You're right. Now, we don't brag about that. But we have the correct way. And we are called not to run away. We are not called to build bunkers. We're not called to hoard food. We're not called to hide in the mountains. We're called to run into the middle of the mess with the strong name of Jesus. Keep working. Keep working. And if suddenly you see the face of Jesus, then that means you're either dead or the rapture came. He'll figure it out. Don't worry. Because you and I both know there is only one solution to this twisted and corrupt world. It's Jesus. We just sang about the name of Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Andre Crouch. Period. That's all there is. There is no other answer. And that's, the, that's what we are bringing to this generation. I, I was going <clears> to <throat> show the video, but it's just too disgusting. But it's because I'm going to get really bad here in a few minutes. So just hold on. But... Uh, there, there was a video from Boston Children's Hospital, and it was a doctor, a woman doctor, a woman doctor, and this woman doctor, she had MD at the end of her name, so that means she's smart. <laughs> and and uh, I was even just going to put up a picture of it, but she, she had this video going about transgenders and their, their children's transgender clinic. So if your child is two or three, and is questioning their sexuality. You can have them come and talk to one of their psychologists. That's exactly what I want to do with my two or three year old. Bring him to... But in the video she said this, and this is the interesting part, because the video was immediately pulled from the internet. But of course being the internet, you could find it again. Which by the way, for any young people out there, remember, be very careful what you tweet and what you put on Facebook because it stays there forever. So someday you may want to run for office. (laughs) And this tweet is going to come up and you're going to say, where in the world? Oh, I was 16 when I said that. Doesn't matter. But anyway, they took it off very quickly. And I believe the reason was partly because of an uproar, but partly because of this. In the video, I am not kidding you. I can send you the link to the video if you want to actually see a doctor talking like an idiot. She actually said, you know, some children can even know in the womb whether they are transgender. Now, here's why they pulled the video. Because suddenly they realized, oh no, she just said that in the womb they're a child and they could know things. 
You see, when you get so crooked, you know it's like lying, living a lifestyle of lying. The bad part about it is you can never remember which lie you lied in order to lie so you could forget. So you can become so crooked that you come back around again and cross yourself and don't even know it. That's how crooked they are. It's a crooked and perverse world. So that is the description of where we are at right now. So you say, well then, when do we call this forth? And they say, why do I use the word when? Because the, the Greek word here, for some of your translations say nations, others will say generations. And it literally is genea, which is generation. We are extending the word of life, not death, to our current generation. We're not extending it to a future generation. We're preparing, perhaps, a future generation. We're, the past is gone. It's over. But we're, we're, we're holding it forth to our generation right now. Now, I'm going to get really gross here on you, if I can. I was going to install airline sickness bags in the pews. <clears throat> if it gets too bad, ladies, you could just open your purse. Gentlemen, you could... Whatever, you know. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share this thought... Um, for two reasons. Number one, you'll never forget the example. And number two, it shows the power of the gospel. We're going to see the power of the gospel. Because you, we can get so lost in this whole thing and say, oh my Lord, how can we ever change? Do you see this world? It's unbelievable. It is so bizarre. How could we ever affect a change? And we could lose sight of the power of the gospel. So let's go back in history a number of centuries, back to 7th century BC in particular in Greece. There was a practice back then called pederasty. Anybody know what pederasty means? Oh, Lord, that's good. I'll pray you forget it after I explain it. Pederasty, uh, very simply, is a sexual relationship between an adult man and a pubescent or adolescent boy. Okay, so it's homosexual activity between an adult and a boy. Uh, this, and what generally what would happen would be uh, an older gentleman middle-aged or older, that was usually higher in society, would come to you and say, you know, your little son Johnny, 10 years old, we've sort of become friends, and I would like to take him as my paramour, uh, and I will raise him. They would raise the child, they would feed, clothe, shelter, they would educate. A lot of these young boys became soldiers and generals and uh, uh, senators in, uh, in, in ancient Greece and, and in Rome. And I know, I know, I'm, I'm moving quickly, don't worry. We'll get through it. <laughs> but um, in Greece, 7th century Greece, that's 700 years before Jesus, 7th century Greece, it was popular. It was well accepted. It was an accepted part of society. It's just what you did. There were. It was just. Uh, they had bathhouses. They had everything. It was just the way you did it. In Rome, in the days of Jesus, here's Jesus and the apostles preaching the gospel. Pederasty was in Rome. Every emperor had a boy, except for one. Every emperor. Senators had them. Centurions had them. The centurion that Peter went to to preach to had one. Everybody had one. It was a part of society. In Japan, it was called Shudo, and it was carried out by the samurai warriors until the 1800s. They would take boys, and they would train them and raise them up to be samurai warriors. Okay, so everybody got the picture. I didn't see anybody's head go down vomiting yet. That's good. Here's the point. Here's the point of why I bring that up. What ended pederasty in Greece? Christianity. What ended pederasty in Rome? 
Christianity. What ended pederasty in Japan? Christianity. What ended slavery? Christianity. What ended child labor? Christianity. What ended legalized torture? Christianity. What ended public flogging? Christianity. What ended indentured servanthood? Christianity. Do you see the point here? When believers engage society, God moves and things change. Don't stop engaging society. I don't care how crooked it looks. I don't care how perverse it looks. God still can save the worst sinner, hallelujah, and bring them to righteousness. What what about our own generation? If you went back and you stood in Woodstock in 1969, and I'm not going to ask if anybody did, (laughs) you would have stood in Woodstock and you would have saw the debauchery and you would have thought, oh my Lord, this generation's gone. It's over. Janice, stop shaking your head. (laughs) You didn't travel all the way to New York. (laughs) It's over. It's done. It's finished. This generation's all gone. Do you know what happened just a year or so later? It was called the Jesus People Movement. And all those people at Woodstock were suddenly worshiping the Lord and creating Calvary Chapel Church in, in Costa Mesa, California, and all sorts of things began to happen. So the point is, never, it's never, never, never over. Never stop holding forth the word of life. Never stop shouting the good news. Never stop calling out evil. Never stop straightening out the crooked paths. Listen, I'll tell you why. Because God said in the Old Covenant in Isaiah, Behold, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. Think about that for a moment. There's a crooked and perverse generation that is totally blind, but guess what? God is still leading them. In paths they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are things that I do, and I do not forsake them. Oh, my friend, please don't forsake your children. Don't forsake your sons and daughters. Don't forsake your aunts and uncles and your moms and your dads and your grandmas and grandpas. Don't forsake those people that are in darkness because God is still leading them. He's still leading them. And righteousness is just around the corner. So we're holding forth this word to our generation. However bizarre and strange it may look, We're holding this word forth to them. And then the last point. What do we hold forth? Well, he says it's the word of life. You know, first of all, doesn't that sound good? Word of life. It just just sounds good. Somebody can ask you, well, what guides you? Life. Really? What what supports you? Life. (laughs) What sustains you? The word of life. Not death. Not money, not fame, not for life supports me. Well, what makes you happy? The word of life. Well, what gives you joy? The word of life. It seems like you know the way through this mess. How do you know the way? Why do you have such peace? Because I have the word of life inside of me. You know right from wrong. How do you know right from wrong? The word of life. It's all life. Holding forth the word of life, Paul says. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, there's, there's, there's four quick ways, and I'm just going to mention these four quickly, because we have cake to eat, so. <clears throat> it's all I've been thinking about all morning. <laughs> First thing he says is, lay hold 
upon for yourselves the word of life. You've got the, these are all the meanings of this word. Lay hold of this word of it. Hold fast. Lay hold of it. We talked about this before. Obedience, right? Humility. Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice, etc. Lay hold of that for yourselves. And you've got to lay hold of it. Paul said it this way, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already apprehended me. So he's already apprehended us, called us out of darkness, and now I'm holding on to him. I'm laying hold onto him. That's why we are moving forward. We are on our way. It's a nonstop flight. You can't get off this thing. We're reaching out to Christ who so wondrously reached out to us. So the first thing is we lay hold. We grab it and we lay hold. But the second thing you do after you lay hold is you've got to retain, don't you? Can't let go. So you lay hold, then you retain. The word says, keep your heart with a little bit of diligence. (laughs) Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Keep your heart with, keep it, retain it. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So we're retaining it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. The word is there. So we lay hold of it, then we retain it. And then the third, the third meaning is to detain. <laughs> After you retain, then you detain. Who do we detain? Well, we mentioned earlier. We don't detain anybody else. Well, here, let's sing it. We're singing some old songs. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer, right? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. What is it? I think it's not my father or my mother, but it's me, oh Lord. (laughs) Right? After you retain the word, you've got to start detaining something. And I got bad news for you. It's nobody else. It's you. You've got to detain yourself. You've got to detain your appetites. You've got to detain your thoughts. You've got to detain all of those things. We subjugate ourselves. And then as we're subjugating ourselves and detaining our thoughts and our intentions and our attitudes, we then begin to detain principalities and powers. That's where the battle is. Principalities and powers. Paul said in Ephesians that it is by the church that the Father is going to speak to principalities and powers in the last days. That's us. That's us. We're battling in that spiritual realm. Remember, several weeks ago from Psalm 110, we talked about the fact that we are volunteers in the day of his power. I don't know about you, but I want to learn to retain and detain so I can be a proper volunteer. Can you imagine if you went to boot camp and they got you up and then they said, all right, it's time to go run that five miles. And you said, no, I don't think so. I'll let those guys do it. They need to, they need to be more in shape than me. <laughs> no, you've got to detain, you've got to retain and detain. And then there's one last word, and this is a new word. I, learned, I had to look it up. I didn't know what it was. Declaim. I didn't know that was a word. Declaim. We have acclaim, proclaim, reclaim. Declaim. Declaim means to deliver a word or a speech in a rhetorical or impassioned way. In other words, it's, it's almost like a professor or a teacher declaring truth and bringing it forth without question. It's an impassioned speech. 
much like the speech of Peter on the day of Pentecost or, or sermons that are preached, but it's, it's declaring truth. Paul puts it this way, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading with them through us. So he said, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. We're imploring, we're pleading. There is a, there is a deep, profound agony, if you will, of impassioned spirit as we reach out to a lost world. You know, once you get past all the stupid sin that's out there, doesn't it make you sad too, though, when you look at some, some people and the way they live? How sad. We have the answer to say, you know what, you don't have to get your life out of the bottom of a bottle of Jack Daniels. You don't have to get your life out of a syringe. You don't have to beat your wife. You don't have to kick the dog. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to get, get your life from a, from a chemical or a drug. You can have life in Jesus and you can learn to walk nice and straight down a narrow path. You can do it. And we're begging you, not for our sake. I'm done. I'm already there. I'm already in heaven. I'm already glorified. Hallelujah. I'm seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities. But it hurts to watch the way you're living. Mm. Impassioned. And, and you know what the next verse is right after that verse? You all know it. Very important. For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. <laughs> so here we are. The lamplighters, right? We are, we, are, we are the light bringers, the light barrels. Jesus said, if you have a light, you don't put it under a bushel, right? You let it shine, you let it shine, you let it shine. Hallelujah. Kelly, if you'll come. That's who we are today. We are the illuminators, right, of this lost world. We're not the Illuminati. <laughs> That's a cheap imitation. We're the illuminators. We're the light bringers. If there's going to be any light in this world, in this darkness, it's going to come from us. It's not going to come from a bar. It's not going to come from a nightclub. It's not going to come from anything out there. It's going to come from us. So Paul is imploring us to hold fast this word of life. Lay hold of it. Claim it for yourselves. Retain it. And then profess it with great boldness and assurance. Don't let the lie dictate your life. You tell what the lie is and expose it. Because that's what we're called to do. Light exposes lies in the darkness, doesn't it? And that's what we're called to do. Father, I just thank you so much that you've given us this duty, this calling. To be ambassadors. To be light bringers. To bring this light to a lost and dying generation. And Father, they don't know that they need it, but they need it bad. They, they think everything is okay. In their twisted way, they're contorting things all around so that they contradict themselves and say all the wrong things. They think they've got all the answers, but they realize deep inside they don't even know the question. But we do, and we know the answer. And you've called us to be light bringers to them. May we be faithful to that task, Father. In Jesus' name we ask. Let's stand and ask Kelly just to sing. Sing the chorus to that. And let's just worship him one last time. Hallelujah. You know it. It's very simple. Thank you, Father God. Jesus. Jesus. Lamb of
his name. Praise his name for that name. Hallelujah. Uh, you are dismissed if you are going to stay for some fellowship. I believe my sister will have all the instructions out there for you. She will whip you into shape in a line and get you to the right place. So you are dismissed.